Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 22nd episode of Radio Podcast. And potentially our last podcast from a free world. Yeah, thanks to all these trumped-up email scandals. Oh, wait a minute. I thought we weren't going to mention his name. I'm surprised that you're focused on that instead of the fact that I made a pun. Oh, God, it is the end of the world, isn't it? Oh. It feels like. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Well, in that case, um, I've got some road facts. Nope. Nope. Road, road facts. Nope. I've nope. Got, nope. Top I've stories, got... Rob. Let's just go right into top stories. <laughs> We don't want to make the end of the world painful for everyone else. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, like it isn't already? Like a few road facts are going to kill anybody? <laughs> Did you know? Did you know? Flint, Michigan. Water crisis. Again. We can't let this story go until the story is done at this point. And uh, every week we're getting closer and closer to some sort of resolution. Our update this week takes us to... Litigation! Yay! Litigation, it what runs the nation. <laughs> um, we reported uh, maybe a month or so ago that there is a clearinghouse that's been set up for any potential lawsuits that may be brought against uh, the state of Michigan. And everything that all of the instances that they will be sued for has to go through this clearinghouse committee. This past week on Halloween, it was not a trick or a treat, um, a judge has ruled that the Flint residents have um, enough facts that they are allowed to proceed with their lawsuit against the state, um, and that's ahead of whatever this clearinghouse committee was trying to hold back so that way everybody could sue at once. The residents of Flint, the city of Flint, can sue the state of Michigan and basically told them, go, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Is it supposed to work this way? Because I'm, confu- I'm confused. I I don't know. I think they're making their own laws. It's like the, uh, I would say the Wild West, the, the Wild uh, North Central. <laughs> the Wild Mitten. Yes. Yeah. Um, The Detroit News reports that uh, Michigan Court of Appeals Judge Mark Boonstra uh, said that the residents had provided sufficient facts in their lawsuit against the state over the contaminated water. And if proved, those facts would show that actions by the state were, quote, so arbitrary in a constitutional sense as to shock the conscience. That, that that's really mild language on his part, isn't it? Uh, is is the appropriate legalese response to that? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I just I I don't get it. I mean, at the outset of all of this, it was like, okay, there was a fuck up. They switched to the wrong water source. Okay, let's rectify that and move on. And ever since then, it's just been like, how can we turn this into a bigger shitstorm? Well, you want to you want to hear what the state's response was? So, so the city. It's of not going to help if I say no, is it? No, I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay. The, the our people want to know. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, so the the city of Flint brings this lawsuit forward. The state officials claimed that the residents of Flint had not filed their lawsuit within six months of the water crisis. Therefore, the case should just be dismissed. Just, just no, no. We're going to give you a six-month window, even though we we aren't bringing any light to this, and we're trying to sweep the shit under the rug as hard as we can. Um, so, yeah, this this should be, I mean. Yeah, you didn't fall within 20 minutes of this thing happening in the first place, so um, everybody fuck all y'all. I, I like their arbitrary uh, statute of limitations that they want to impose on themselves. Six months, that seems reasonable. Yeah, effects that last a lifetime, but you've only got a six-month window to, during which to figure out the full depth and breadth of which this may have affected you. Yep. And even file appropriate it, litigation. Right, even though we were doing it for 18 months before mm. we even acknowledged that there may be a problem, and then it was another three months before uh, the governor uh, brought forth any kind of uh, state of emergency. So... Yeah. Uh, yup. I don't even want to have to say. I don't even want to say it. <coughs> but you're going to. Mm, I, I feel I have to. It, <laughs> it, it's there. It, it's like coughing up phlegm at this point. <coughs> first world country. <laughs> yes, it's clearly a first world country, Rob. That's why we have all these lawsuits. <laughs> it's the sign of a modern democracy as we got litigation that's I right can sue the bulls off that mud bucket because he's got money and i damn well don't well in this case and i'm it's a legitimate right. <laughs> uh, but this isn't the only news to come out of flint this week rob oh no it isn't uh <laughs> yeah the the little piece that i'd found was that the uh the uh, Genesis County Judge Jeffrey Nethercutt, which sounds like an unfortunate euphemism for uh, circumcision. Has <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> said that the oh the. Well, let's uh, let's take a step back again. Remember, maybe two uh, months ago when we were talking about um, how. No, oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. So about two months ago, we were we were talking about um, how the water crisis at at this time um, has brought to light some cases of Legionnaire's disease in uh, Flint and in the surrounding county of that Flint is in uh, Genesee County, and at the hospital they couldn't provide further details to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services 
because there's essentially a gag order on any water-related incidents coming out of Genesee County thanks to this uh, lead, um, lead crisis that's going on. So Legionnaire's disease is something that really needs to be reported where the person lives or where they may have been, where they could catch it because it's an airborne uh, pathogen uh, that has pneumonia-like symptoms. And if you can't say where the case of Legionnaire's disease was contracted, you're essentially leaving a large population susceptible to this illness. And officials at the hospital were getting frustrated because they couldn't pass this information along. And people at the Department of Health and Human Services were also frustrated because you have a community that has been uh, exposed to many things in the last two years that they did not ask to be exposed to. And there's a public health nuisance, you know, a, a legitimate public health issue that they legally should be able to help and they're legally being blocked from doing anything about. The Department of Health and Human Services had sought to have the the protective orders against their getting evidence rescinded from uh, Judge Jeffrey Nethercutt. And uh, like I say, this evidence is needed to work out what the source of infection was and how it's then to be tackled and resolved. But there's so much, uh, I think I'm going to use the word shenanigans here, about trying to keep evidence away from people who could actually make use of it to Shenanigans protect... sounds like adorable. This is kind of more <laughs> malicious, I feel like. Yes. Which is why I wanted to try and underline it by putting a mild word in place of the one that we really should use. <laughs> dastardly. <laughs> oh, dastardly is good. See? Uh, I, I, my brain had first reached for fuck douchery. Nope. That's... See? That doesn't go with the, the whimsical nature we're going for, Rob. Oh, sorry. Whimsical, whimsical nature. Whimsical. Yes. Uh, people having their life ruined by lead in their water and uh, and it's whimsical. Yes. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> Levity. This is, a, this is a supposedly... We're a satirical, we're podcast, a satirical podcast, Rob. We are not news. We are not a news podcast. Dastardly. She said. Dastardly. <laughs> I was waiting for you to pick it up again. but I was going to, but yeah, no, I, yeah, it was starting to come out as more of a growl. <laughs> Dastardly. Dastardly. <laughs> In a world gone mad, Rick Schneider was dastardly. So, yeah. Apparently, uh, again, lots of, lots of legal, uh, Dastardliness. Dastardly renderings being handed down on uh, Halloween. This is when the uh, order came down that the the ban has been lifted on being able to report these types of incidents to the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a win for for public health and safety. <laughs> Somewhere in this bleak <laughs> shit show that is the Flint. <laughs> we've, we've got 
one more little little spot oh. of sunshine. Well, I don't know if you want to call it sunshine. <laughs> oh, why don't you shine our rays over this little article? Because this one is is clearly the the part that sheds light and sunshine and happiness on all the misery that we've covered already. So this bit of sunshine starts with the letters PTSD. Um, basically, the uh, American Public Health Association has spent the last year studying the residents of Flint. And um, basically, they're saying the levels of stress that the residents of Flint, Michigan have been feeling um, towards, you know, knowing if they have safe drinking water has uh, led to legitimate documented uh, diagnosable cases of PTSD within the community. So on top of... For those that are unfamiliar, PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, it's, it's very common in, um, you know, soldiers who returned from war, um, you know, anybody who's gone through an intense, uh, just a very intense, stressful situation, you know, hostage situations, um, extreme abuse, um, all of those are, are uh, PTSD related um, events, I guess, that, that can trigger it or that can get your mind into that mindset. So, um, yeah, on top of whatever lasting impacts being exposed to lead for two years has caused, um, you can also add, uh, you know, PTSD to their mental state and uh, then wonder in 20 years why Flint hasn't recovered. It's just a, a bizarre and shocking thing. I mean, there's so much of that state has suffered from economic decline anyway, and then this on top of all else. Uh, and I, I'm going to see what I can do about splicing in the story that we recorded earlier about the housing. Sure. Um, uh, yesterday, I was researching some articles and on the side of one of them, there was real estate in Flint. So, I, uh, so I, on the Michigan Live M Live page, so I had a look at that. Uh -huh. So I searched all the houses in Flint and then went uh, start with the lowest price house. Okay, had a picture number at the lowest price house that I saw. Nine thousand. No. Higher or lower? Five thousand. Two thousand? Two thousand seven hundred. Holy shit. Yeah, I I was so I, I Google mapped this place. Uh-huh. I was viscerally appalled. The address is three hundred and forty six East Mott Avenue, two thousand seven hundred and ninety nine dollars. Um the Listing said on somewhere that um, bid quickly. This one's sure to go in a hurry. Huh. It's it's been on here for 474 days. Wow. It's Jeez. boarded up. It's a little shit box, two bed, one bath, 700 square feet. Wow. I. I Google mapped this. 
and I went for a little drive around the neighborhood. Uh-huh. And I came down one street. Um, this uh, that came down a side street, so I sort of I had looped around. And there's a a reasonably nice looking house with a an auto glass shop beside it, and then the other side of the corner is a four bay universal car wash. And when you're in the side street, the thing is a an ongoing concern. It's clean, well met, can well kept. Um, and that's 2011. And then you turn the corner out onto the main street from October 2015, and the thing is a wreck. There are weeds across everything, the gate and the fence is half missing where it's just been, I just guess, all stoked. abandoned. Yeah, it's all abandoned. All the fixtures <laughs> and fittings are gone. The, uh, I, I, I just looked at it and was utterly appalled wow uh it makes you wonder how the hell anybody stays there and you look at it and go yeah i absolutely see why a house that's less than three thousand bucks has not fucking sold yeah wow and that whole street i mean there's you go down those roads and there are just housing lots where they are missing the house and everything's grown over and then you'll see one house that's still occupied and the lawns are neatly trimmed up to the edge of the mesh fence that they've got. And then it's wilderness beyond. It reminds me, uh, sounds like the pictures of New Orleans post-Katrina. Yes. And here the disaster was economics and man-made. And yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no pictures from inside the premises. Hey, are you recording any of this? Because this is all usable. <laughs> oh, shit. I just turned that yeah, off. Cause see, I was gonna... mine, mine was not on either, of course. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Oh, wait, that might be a lie. Maybe mine is on. Yeah, built in 1950. Jeez. Then there are other houses that are listed that are... Five-bedroom, two-bath in Mount Morris, Michigan. 60,000. Wow. That's... I'm going to pull that one up, see if there's more pictures of the inside of this one. Oh, this one actually has pictures. Two-story unit. Uh, five bedrooms? Five bedroom, two bath, 2,400 square feet. Yeah, whoever took the pictures for this does not know how to photograph the inside of a house. <laughs> well, when your listing agent is only getting commission based on 60 grand, <laughs> they're not exactly uh, <laughs> staging... <laughs> Pencil sketch. Yeah. <laughs> Run it through that... Uh... Prisma. Yeah, I love that thing. <laughs> I, yeah, have you seen the things I keep pushing on oh, Dominance? yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, so just Prisma app the inside of the house. <laughs> yeah, just use Look, the... Look, it's uh, fancy. The... <laughs> yeah, you, you want to use Hunter or Breakfast on that? Because <laughs> anything else is going to make it look like crap. Oh, my God, two-bedroom, one-bath, five grand... Wow. And this one looks better than the other one that I told you about. Well, it would have to. It should look like twice as good. Yeah. <laughs> 800 square feet. Jesus. One photo, just the outside. 106 East Home Avenue. I don't know how far apart those are. Is there a... Uh, I'm sure there's a Google Maps overlay somewhere of the... Like the water... 
the places where the water is the worst. I had this notion that we buy that $2,800 house and give it away to somebody. But seriously, it makes you wonder, like, I mean, I bet there's no pipes left in it anymore. The front step? The, the front copper's steps probably of the... totally stripped. Yeah, you're paying for a wooden shell and a concrete. You're paying for a concrete right. slab. Yeah, you're not paying for anything else because there's nothing else that's salvageable. Nice bit of guttering down the side there. That downspout's quite sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's got a, a basement. Cause there's a you're couple a of... fucking mess, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Oh. Me? Come on. I loved you, but you're a mess. <laughs> From one mess to another. Yeah. So maybe we do the five grand one instead. Maybe that one's better condition inside. Okay. Sounds, <laughs> sounds great. You get on that, and I am instead going to um, not do that. Come on. How cool would it be that Radio Podcast gives away a house? We could sell raffle tickets for this shit. (coughs) Somewhere in America, Radio Podcast is raffling off a house. Get your tickets. Hundred dollars, two tickets. Come on. We'd get 200 bucks out of it. We'd be four and a half, four thousand eight hundred dollars out of pocket on this. That sounds about right. (laughs) It could be a tax write-off. We could be tax-free for the next twenty years. (laughs) Should we wrap this bit up here? Yep. All right. All right. Well, I think uh, all that said, look for. Look for sponsorship opportunities where you too can buy your raffle ticket. Coming soon to the hmm. radio-podcast.net website. We, we could even... Yeah, we, we should raffle a house. Or, if you just feel like sponsoring us because you love us, send me an email. Diana at radio-podcast.net or Robert at radio-podcast.net We'll be happy to talk to you about things and no uh, maybe maybe give is... you maybe give you a house in Flint. <laughs> Just under three thousand dollars. You're welcome. <laughs> maybe if we were listened to in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> <laughs> they've got oil. Oh. <laughs> I think we're ready to move on, Rob. I think so too. Moving, Moving on. Political corpse, Christie. So, this story comes to us from the great state of New Jersey. Do I get that right? New Jersey? It is New Jersey, but you did not say it right and even close. Well, that's why I I was prompting and leading you perhaps into um, educating me. It's New Jersey. Just New Jersey? Yeah. 
No kind of funky accent that the goes with it. The only time that people say it with a funky accent is when they're from like New York and they try and make fun of people from New Jersey. This, what you hear right now, is New Jersey with a head cold. <laughs> I grew up there. Fifteen years. This is this is how I sound. This is Jersey. You're not fifteen. <laughs> I spent fifteen years in New Jersey. Oh. Oh, well, that was probably just waiting to cross the George Washington Bridge. Well, depending on the day. <laughs> it felt like it. Hey. So, uh, for those of you who are not from around here and may have missed what happened a couple of years ago, uh, the George Washington Bridge goes from uh, New York City to Jersey. It's the most traveled bridge in the world. I believe the toll is at, uh, I want to say like $20 just across Seriously? this bridge. It, uh, I haven't driven across it in a while. Well, when I do it, I use my Easy Pass, so I don't think about it. Uh, yeah. I'd have to wash the dishes to get over that bridge. It's it's a bear. It's uh. It's a good-sized bridge, but like I said, it's the busiest... It's not that good a bridge. <laughs> it's the best bridge. It's huge. <laughs> so... <laughs> There's a lot of uh, little, you know, hamlets and cities on the Jersey side before you get into the Helix, to, or not the Helix, that's for the tunnel, before you get onto the bridge. And on this week of September 11th, uh, it is believed, oh, well, the bridge was shut down. A bunch of lanes on the bridge were shut down. And what it did was cause massive, massive traffic backups back into the cities. Like it backed up so bad, all the little cities that were right by the bridge, right by the the exit feeders for the bridge right go to the toll plaza there were basically just gridlocked and um the understanding is that chris christie the governor of new jersey um basically had a mole inside the transit authority that manages the the bridge and um used his political influence to have them shut down, you know, enough lanes on the bridge that it made At it the big... right time of day. Well, it was the morning rush hour, and then it was just fucked for the whole day. And um, there was, the traffic jam was such that there were school buses trapped in this. There were ambulances trapped in this. Yeah. I mean, nothing could move. And this was, seems to have been a reactionary knee-jerk measure, um, seemingly, allegedly on behalf of uh, or orchestrated by Chris Christie to get payback against those who had not supported him. Yeah, it, this was the, the year of the, um, was it 13? I think it was 2013. If only we were sitting in front of a computer and could look it up, that would be and do research so on handy. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, Chris Christie was running for re-election to be governor of New Jersey. He had it 
in the bag, basically. I mean, I can't even remember the name of the woman who was running against him. But there were a couple of holdout of mayors of towns that were not supporting him. And this was his alleged retribution for that. Um, and this was, you know, following the email trail, it, it's all up in his office, his personal assistant, his, you know, the, the main liaisons right within his office that sit like literally right outside of his door. And he is such a micromanager that basically everyone's saying there's no way he didn't know if not personally order this shutdown to happen. So that is the quick the and dirty on what the Chris Christie Bridgegate scandal is. And, you know, uh, everything's got to be a something gate. And as a result of that, the uh, a, a judge has found that there's probable cause to go ahead um, in looking at Chris Christie's role in this. And that if they find that um, he acted in a way that was uh, essentially official misconduct in his role as governor, that he could face up to 10 years per offense. And um, there's the, Do you have the name of the two guys that are on trial at the moment? Yeah, there's... Um, uh, I almost said Killian Conway. <laughs> following too much... Jesus. Um, That's next year. um, So the two people that are currently on trial, and they're actually, um, today's the November 3rd, they're actually just finished uh, day four of the um, deliberations for the trial of Bridget Kelly and Bill Baroni. Um, Bridget Kelly was an aide uh, it was Chris Christie's former deputy chief of staff. Like I said, she sat, you know, I've seen diagrams of the way his his inner office is set up. She literally sat right outside of his door. And uh, Bill Baroni was his top appointee at the Bridge Authority. And there are emails going back and forth between the two of them. Um, the, the most telling is the one that uh, Kelly sent to Baroni that literally says, uh, time for some bridge... Oh, shit. What is it? Not time for some trouble at the bridge or time for some bridge problems. Like, it's literally that distinct and that descriptive. Um, both of them have said, and, you know, of course, now they're on trial and, and uh, you know, they're the pointing fingers everywhere. But they've both said... Um, as well as another Port Authority official, that the, Christie was informed about the lane closings either before or while they were going on. Um, but there's no paper trail, so therefore there's no, you know, you're, you're missing the evidence, you're just going on hearsay. Um, the charges that the two of them are up on right now are conspiracy, wire fraud, thanks to those emails, um, <laughs> civil rights violations, and misusing the bridge to get back at the mayor. And they could face a maximum of 20 years in prison um, if convicted on the conspiracy and the wire fraud charges. So given that, they probably have some good incentive to 
bring El Christy down with him. Yeah, so I like I said, they're they're in day four of de- the jury is in day four of deliberations, and the defense attorneys have filed motions for uh, mistrial. Um, so who kind of knows where this is going to end up? I just know it's going to be a. If only they'd picked up some guns and occupied a federal facility, they'd be off by now. Yeah, because, you know, that's not illegal. Hashtag 2016. What a fucking year. I, I, I don't know. I want to take, like, a two-month nap at this point. <laughs> Ugh, wake me up in January. <laughs> I think almost everybody would be willing to join you in that. Yeah. There's there's no rationale for this year. Just none. Hey, do you want to hear another fun fun fact about Chris Christie? (laughs) Fun fact. Chris Christie, fun fact. So you guys remember when Donald Trump had that press conference and Chris Christie was there just kind of like – Standing like your scared aunt in the background, like looking around all wide-eyed, like holy shit, what am I doing here? Because your uncle's drunk on gin. Yep, and saying things, and you're like, oh <laughs> my god, he just said that out loud. <laughs> um, so rumor has it that Donald Trump offered Chris Christie the job of vice president, and then uh, literally like two days before the national convention he rescinded it because uh he didn't think that chris well because paul manafort who was trump's campaign manager at the time you'll remember he's on like campaign manager number three because he picks the best people only the best only Um, the best so manafort thought that mike pence would help um pull in the more centrist and more uh loyal Republican voters. Um, yeah, when Pence is viewed as being centrist, dear God. Yeah, seriously. Well, but I think the issue was Christie is a Jersey guy and Trump is a New York guy and they wanted to kind of spread it around. You know, they didn't want to make it too chummy chummy. <laughs> so what ended up happening is Manafort like engineered this meeting between Pence and Trump so that way they could like hang out <laughs> no do, do <laughs> say that again it just makes the skin crawl so uh, this is an article by, from, from CBS News uh, so what had previously been reported as a lucky break by the New York Times was actually a swift political maneuver devised uh, by the now-fired campaign manager. Uh, set on changing Trump's mind, he, Pence, concocted a story that Trump's plane had mechanical problems, forcing the soon-to-be Republican nominee to spend the night in Indianap- oh, Indianapolis so that way he could have breakfast with the Pence family. And uh, Pence did some smooth talking and convinced Trump to ditch Chris Christie and uh, make Pence the, v- the vice president the following day. So it was kind of like a, no, no, yeah, yes, no, Christy, Pence, Christy, Pence. 
You make it sound like Pence slept with Trump for the night. It sounds like that's about it. And, uh, so then, uh, Jared Kushner, who is, uh, uh, the daughter he wants to sleep with, Ivanka. So Jared Kushner is Ivanka's husband. Kushner's dad was prosecuted back in 2009 by Chris Christie when he was a U.S. attorney. So, um, and he ended up spending 14 months in prison for witness tampering, illegal campaign contributions, and tax evasion. So, Pence has this, like, one beautiful morning with Donald Trump. All the feelings are good and the Kushner's like yeah you should pick him and like totally <laughs> totally got Trump to pick Pence over Christie who had been ass kissing for months for this job <laughs> and he just got it yanked right out from under him <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> And terrifyingly ugly. I mean, it's got all the, the plays of one of those sort of senior romance movies, like, you know, where they're, they're sitting in the, the breakfast nook overlooking the mm-hmm. lake, and there's that still that warm glow that they've both got with those embarrassed little smiles as they sort of half touch Come hands across look. the table. Yeah. Then, we should do that again tonight, shouldn't we? Yes, we should, but I still feel naughty about last night. That's right. Night. And then there's the poor embarrassed waitress, or in this case, Pence's wife, who's trying to serve the toast and soft-boiled eggs, and watching the way that Trump is dipping his toast soldier into the center of that nope, egg with the stop. <laughs> I don't feel well enough as it is, Rob. I don't want to throw up in my mouth anymore. So yeah, everybody, only the best decisions. He surrounds himself with the uh. best people. And he does nothing uh, impulsively we, at all. Uh, and we are desperately hoping that Trump does not win in the grounds that if this ever goes out and is heard by oh, anybody. Oh, we're getting rounded up by his secret police anyway. It's fine. This uh-huh. is just one more instance. <laughs> A gulag with hey. our name on it. It's probably the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so that's okay, because the water there is lead free. It's so cold. <laughs> we'll be too close to Canada there. We can swim for freedom. They won't let us stay. It's pretty big. We'd have to try and pick the eh. right spot. Canadian listeners. Help. Help. <laughs> be... Send rafts. Build oh, a raft bridge. Please. All right. I can't talk about him anymore. I moved out of that state for a reason. <laughs> All right. Um... Let's move it on. I know you guys have been missing out on no more live blogging with all these (laughs) debates over, but don't worry because... We are going to do some fun little videos for you guys. We'll do uh, hourly update videos on election night here in the United States. That's Tuesday, November 
28th. What? I you mean, won't be drinking 35th. Alone. Yeah, it's the 35th. It's the 35th. <laughs> that's, that's what the man said. November 35th, get out to vote. Yes. Yeah, so Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, November 8th, we will do um, some fun little video updates. Maybe we'll do shots. We'll definitely have some coloring involved. Um, and I'm going to upload a blank United States map. Um, I know some of you guys have said you want to color along with all the red states and the blue states. So you guys can have your own map to fill out. <laughs> what? That's, we, that's what we did in college for the 2000 election. It was the nerdiest thing ever, and we had so much fun. My roommate and I were totally drunk, laying uh, on the floor in our dorm room coloring like idiots. Maybe here's the thing that we should have people do is that um, make 100 jello shots per person, 50 red, 50 blue. <laughs> Are we all going to just die? <laughs> And then as each date is announced, you take that yellow shot. And the recovery program the next day is to lord it over your victims by consuming the rest. Oh, uh, see, but here's problems the thing. are your own. And uh, this is all for entertainment purposes. Please do not take anything I say seriously. <laughs> it really, you only... You probably only need to make about 60 jello shots because some of these states are so locked in at this point. There's only a couple swing states where you could have potentially. So make, I don't know. So we're make, down from 50 each to, to 30 each. And okay, so take the fun right out of it. See, that's how I roll. That's about <laughs> what I do. So yeah, um, come join us on our Facebook group. I might even dig out the password for our Twitter account. Because, you know, nobody else is going to be tweeting on election night. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have that monopoly. So, um, all eyes on us. All eyes on us. So, yeah, uh, facebook.com slash radio podcast one. And if you haven't already liked and joined and subscribed and all of that, please do that. We really like to have you on board. Uh, it's fun for us seeing through SoundCloud where everybody's listening to us from and the, the range of interesting countries and. It is interesting. Uh, love having the Philippines on board. No idea who you are, but <laughs> you are more than welcome. Um, so I, I think that about wraps it up from us. Uh, the only other thing that I think we could add at this point is everybody needs some soothing sound. So, Dana, why don't you put the microphone right down by Pod Dog? So everybody can hear the gentle sounds of a snoring dog. I can absolutely do that. Hold on a second. Uh. Of course she stopped. <laughs> now who's going to believe we have a pod dog? I don't know. She's out cold. All right. Well, I, instead of listening to her snore, we're going to have to just listen to, to our theme music. So, Mr. Secord... Can you please play us out? Oh.